Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be discussing whether health IT is a contributor to or a solution for staff burnout. (laughs) I don't know if that's a little fun talking about burnout, (laughs) but be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 15 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. This is an important topic today. I think uh, there's a lot of suffering out there, huh? Yeah, there's quite a number of stories that uh, came out and what's precipitated this, this discussion of ours, John. I mean, uh, there's been some reports recently about the number of nurses that are um, leaving the industry and quitting because they've just reached that breaking point now that we're sort of 12 to 18 months, depending how you look at it, 12, you know, into this COVID pandemic. Uh, and, and we're also reading a lot of stories around how it's not hitting all nurses uh, equally. Like it, there's a disproportionate number of, of um, black nurses and Filipino nurses that are dying uh, and suffering more than their counterparts and, and how the system may be failing them. So it's just, you know, and nurses are the front line, right? Like, you know, we talk a lot about doctors and they're important too, but certainly if the ranks of nurses gets thinned out, we were already suffering from a shortage and, uh, you know, those are the people that, you know, see the patients on a much more frequent basis than the physicians do. So, you know, just not having enough of them is going to hamper our uh, healthcare system for a long time. So definitely a very topical story. Yeah, I was talking to a CIO today and she is a physician and but now has become CMIO and CIO. And uh, she said, yeah, it's great to have a physician perspective as CIO, but we really don't want every CIO to be a physician because if we do that, we're taking a bunch of physicians from the workforce (laughs) that we need. And we already have a physician shortage and it's pretty funny, you know, perspective, but it, but it's true, right? The, the shortage of physicians is real in many areas. And I think with nurses, it's true as well. I know a guy whose entire business was around recruiting nurses to Las Vegas for years and years. That's all he focused on because Vegas had a hard time getting nurses to come here. Granted, we don't have a great education system and all these things. I think we've improved it, but you know, and so that's been a problem before. And now I think many of them are looking at and saying, man, why am I working all these long hours and in these risky conditions in some cases? And I think of a story of a doctor I was talking to. It's like, we were willing to go to go in there without the proper PPE. We didn't want to, we knew it was the wrong thing to do, but we also knew that our patients would suffer if we didn't. And so, you know, they were willing to go in and sacrifice many of them to do that, but we shouldn't put them in that position. That's a scary position to be in. Yeah, for sure. And I I think, you know, reading some of these articles by other outlets that were kind of investigating this, right? Like, you know, a lot of um, what people were saying, the ones who did leave, they were saying, look, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was that sort of all for one, one for all kind of, Uh uh, you know, mentality. And certainly even the public with the banging of pots and the delivering of food and, you know, they were really helping, right? And, And they felt supported, not just by their organization, but also by the public. But since the pandemic has dragged on so long, we've seen that support wane uh, across, mm. across everything. 
So the public is not as invested, uh, you know, in, in supporting the front line. I think we're very sympathetic, but there's certainly not the same level of support, right? Same thing internally at the organizations. We've now kind of got to the point where, you know, you know, yes, there are some programs in place, but, you know, lunches aren't being delivered anymore, right? The extra pay isn't there anymore and, and those kinds of things. And so it's, it's just, it's worn people down. And unfortunately, because we still haven't got vaccines and a lot of really effective therapeutics yet, you know, a lot of the people who are in ICUs, unfortunately, are not going to make it. And so mm-hmm. how much, how much of that can one person really take, right? Like, that's a lot to put on anybody who works in healthcare to, to see day in and day out patients that you really can't do much to help. So that was what was quoted in a lot of those articles as you know, a reason where they just reached that breaking point um, and they, they have left the industry. Yeah, it's chilling to think about. Uh, I think of my cousin and this was a separate issue. He was a counselor to child abuse uh, to children that were abused as, and uh you know, at some point he just said, I, I can't hear another story. Right. And, you know, I, I think we're, we're suffering from some of the same, right. I can't see another person die. Uh, you know, it's gotta be a, the mantra or the experience of uh, people that are doing it. And, you know, I, I could hear some people out there, you know, I'll say it very facetiously. Well, we sent two, you know, frontline healthcare workers to the Super Bowl, two from each state. That didn't, you know, you know, it's like, yeah, I think some people unfortunately kind of look at it that way and they don't realize that so many on the front line are still battling uh, and, and dealing with the trauma, both seeing what's happening in the hospital to COVID people and the trauma in their own life where they had to be away from their family, they had to sleep in the garage, they had to do this process of changing clothes in the garage and showering before any sort of interaction. I mean, that has long lasting impacts that we're going to probably feel for years. For sure. And, you know, to not to pile on too much, but, you know, what was one of the more disturbing statistics that came out in some of these, some recent findings by the, the nursing associations, you know, I'll just, I'll pick out one of them. So 30% of the deaths that have happened in nurse, the nursing ranks, one third are, have been Filipino. Wow. Yet Filipino nurses only make up 4% of all nurses in the mm. United States. So you look at that and go, that, okay, that's really out of proportion. Mm-hmm. They don't even know what they, they don't even know why. Like they just realized, and I won't say they just realized this now, but they just f- had the finding and now they're trying to dig into it and they're realizing they don't have really good data to figure out why, you know, it is yeah. part of one thought was, you know, is it because Filipino nurses are more, are tend to be more working in the ICUs versus not? They don't know that. So they have to now go back and take sure. a look at it. Is it because they don't, you know, they live in multi-generational um, uh, families, you know, they have a multi-generational home, right? Which is sort of more typical for, for, uh, for people who just immigrated here, right? Like you know, the, all these are factors. And so you talk about burnout, not only at the job, but then they're also going back home into situations where we know there are high risk factors, right? So, but, you know, just looking at that and going, well, we've never talked about the plight of Filipino nurses, right? That's not a headline <laughs> news, right? No, never seen that headline. <laughs> There's no rally, but you look at that and go, that is a problem. And the thing is that they've noticed it, right? So they've talked to, they, you know, in this article from CNN, they interviewed a lot of the Filipino nurses and yeah, we've known this for a while. Like, cause we see the names of the obituaries mm-hmm. that come out and you can see the names by the last name. We kind of know that this is a person of Filipino background and another nurse has died. And, wow. and it's just, it's anyway. So, 
I guess the good news is coming forward now. The bad news is that this has been happening for a year and it kind of flew right under a lot of people's radars that they were burning a lot of our uh, nurses and our clinicians out. Well, and just to throw a little health IT angle in there, like imagine you're going through this process of, you know, this crisis, these challenging situations. Do you have enough PPE? All of those things. And then you have to go in and document a lengthy note <laughs> to justify some reimbursement requirement. I can only imagine the mindset there, right? Or, or, you know, you're on the front lines doing the vaccination, doing the COVID testing, and of course your scheduling system doesn't work. And so the, all these patients are showing up angry in front of you saying, your patient scheduling system told me this and, you know, health IT is contributing to that burnout there as well. So, you know, I think those are some of the challenges with health IT and that we can help to solve. It's implementing it properly, like just getting the scheduling system or the communication system together with your, your marketing team. So the patients actually know what to expect when they get to the clinic, you know, whether it's for COVID vaccination, which I think is by now should be a process that everyone understands that we can communicate effectively, but also, you know, how do I digitally check in and what should be my expectation? Can I wait in the way? room? Can I not? You know, all of these things that make a patient anxious. And if the patient's anxious, they're going to do that on the staff. <laughs> they're gonna, and that wears on the staff as well. So those are some of the areas I look at and say, yeah, health IT has definitely contributed to burnout between both how effective is the process of communicating with patients and creating a great experience for these new workflows we have to do, but also Oh, great. I get to document some more. <laughs> like, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I, I definitely think you're right. I don't think uh, health IT in any way is the cause of burnout, but it's certainly a cause or a contributing factor to, you know, the mounting levels of frustration. It's the little things that add up over time. Like I even look, you know, you mentioned some really big ones there, John, about scheduling and the patient relationship. And, and, and when it's not done well, you have an irate patient or an anxious patient showing up and that that has a cascading effect on the people working at the hospital. I would even look at things like alarm fatigue, right? Like the number of devices that we now have inside a patient's room and all of them beeping and notifying, and maybe it's notifying the nursing station when something's sort of out of whack and they have to run in and check it. And, you know, we've asked, we're asking them to do a lot more stuff because we can, like we have the technology now to do all of this. Uh, Are we in but, a permanent emergency too? Like, you know. <laughs> exactly. But that, that's where I'm exactly going. Like imagine the poor nurse, right? They have like 19 different infusion pumps. They have to remember how to use and operate. And then they, you know, and, and then it's all beeping back at the main station. Right. And then they're trying to cover each other's shifts because they're trying to, you know, they don't have enough people. So just the amount of technology that they're also expected to just use, not even just to document, but just to physically use has exponentially grown over the years. So you're asking this poor person, you know, to has gone through, you know, schooling to be a nurse. Now it has to basically go to tech school to learn how to operate some of these devices. Yeah. Uh, that is also a contributor of the burnout in my mind. Yeah. And I heard an interesting example from a CIO who talked about moving remotely 
And they're like, normally when we'd roll out, you know, a remote desktop setup with a VPN access, we'd kind of walk them through and kind of handhold them the way through the technology implementation. But they're like, in, in COVID, we didn't have that choice. We basically had to say, hey, we're going to throw this to you and we'll support you as best you can. You can call us, but you kind of got to do it on your own and credit all those healthcare workers. They did, right? I mean, they figured it out and, uh, you know, but that has another, you know, cost of doing it. You know, telehealth is the same. Sure, they put up with it initially because they didn't have a choice. But right. at this point, your telehealth workflow should be improved. If it's not, you're responsible for that burnout. Absolutely. Hey, listen, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. We want to take a minute to recognize two members of the community who are working really hard on this problem of burnout. The first is Gabe Charbonneau. You've probably seen his awesome Fight Burnout t-shirts that recognize burnout warriors. And John and I are both wearing them right now. They are awesome. Uh, Gabe has been working hard for a number of years now to improve the doctor-patient relationship so that more doctors stay in the industry. To learn more and get your t-shirt, go to fightburnout.org. And also we want to give a shout out to Janae Sharp and the Sharp Index. They're doing some really great work. Having suffered the tragedy of physician suicide in her life, the Sharp Index is, is working to reduce stigma around physician suicide and burnout. And really, more importantly, how to improve physician wellness. If you want to learn more about what they're doing and support their efforts, check it out at sharpindex.org. So John, we've been talking a little bit about sort of the burnout side, right? And how, you know, uh, everything is happening there for nurses and docs. And then of course, how I, health IT contributes to that burnout. But maybe let's flip it around a little bit and talk about can and how does health IT uh, help avoid burnout or, or, and, uh, or reduce it? Yeah, well, I think the problem here is the commonly said phrase that right now it's not evenly distributed. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I mean, just use something as simple as an EHR. Uh, if you look at the satisfaction scores, which I think is related to burnout, you know, class has done a lot of research on this. If you check out their Arch Collaborative, and it shows the same software implemented in the same type of environments, i.e. size of organization, get dramatically different <laughs> results. So, you know, I think it can, if it's implemented properly, help an, a, a person feel satisfied with what they have to do and even avoid some of the burnout that an EHR could cause. So I think that's one example. Although the most exciting thing that's happening and we're just starting to see this come into fruition and that's, you know, my favorite topic, ambient clinical voice or some call it ambient clinical uh, intelligence. That area is the reason it's so exciting is because it could address this problem that i.e. doctors do not want to spend time documenting for reimbursement for regulation. I mean, uh, it's obvious you and I don't like documenting anything. We have to document in our jobs either, right? Like it's just the nature of it, but ambient clinical voice could help assist in that and essentially automate the documentation for the doctor. So that's an area to me that's like, bring it as quickly as you can, <laughs> because it truly does solve the problem that we're talking about of burnout of, with the doctors. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great example, John. Uh, where my mind goes to in terms of how health IT can help avoid burnout, I mean, sort of uh, the grassroots one, which is, well, I think they should just ask, right? Like, you know, <laughs> if you're working at a health IT department at a hospital or uh, at a clinic, um, or if you're a vendor, uh, you know, just ask your client, like, what is it that's most frustrating about our solution and how can we make it better, right? How can we, how can we eliminate a step? How can we make the screen simpler? And and really ask them for their, their opinion, right? And, and, and incorporate it. I think that's sort of a very easy way to address it because let's be honest, like everything can be improved. Absolutely. But how, how often have we actually gone back and actually sat with the clinicians that are using our systems and asked them the question of, okay, if you had to, you know, what should be our highest priority here? I mean, you know, we all think it's this <laughs> because it's on our list, but what's your list? And I bet you, you'd be surprised as to some of the very simple things that they're going to be asking for. So to me, that's that's one way definitely us as an industry can help with burnout. But the one technology that has me excited and it's been around for a while and we've written about it recently as well is of course, telemental health services. Mm, um, yeah. We know we have a shortage in that area, but this is probably one of the best use cases for telehealth, right? Is you know you being able to sit down and talk to a mental health or a behavioral health specialist or to talk to someone, uh, even a peer group, right? Uh, that's going through the same thing. This is now all very possible and very accepted way to, to get this type of care. And now you're able to make this available to a larger audience, right? Whereas before you're limited by geography, right? Typically these services would be in urban areas. Yep. And now with this technology in telehealth, you could offer it to many more places, smaller organizations, large organizations, and so forth. And, and in fact, that is what's happening with a lot of the, um, with the Black Nurses Association. They've put together some telehealth um, that's available now to nurses uh, around the country. And the same thing with the Filipino Nurses Association, like they're doing some things now where they support groups. So I'm excited about that uh, aspect of health IT helping with the burnout. Yeah, I love the idea of shadowing them to understand what their burnout really is. Yeah, I had it happen one time with a nurse practitioner I was working with and I showed her a new feature or a feature she didn't know about was what it it really was. She's like, oh, how come you didn't show me this before? I didn't know that was possible. And I was like, oh, we've had it for like three years. And I felt bad, right? Like, I, you know, I felt like a failure in some respects. Like I didn't show this to you before. So, you know, there's a lot of value. And often a programmer who shadows will look at it and say, oh, that's an easy fix. Why didn't we just do that? So I, I love that. Although it was interesting when you said just ask, I was actually thinking about that from a very different perspective. And that was, have you asked how much bird out there is and our, our friend uh dr charbonneau gabe uh, who did the fight burnout t-shirts he actually records daily his burnout in fact i think it might be multiple times a day and he often will share it on twitter if you want to go check it out but he shares how he's doing burnout wise so that he can understand how he's doing personally and even with uh, the work I do with Care Cognetics, the, one of their customers is actually basically uh, surveying their their employees every day to understand how their mental health state is, to understand how they're doing. So that's another way, you know, going back to what you said, just ask, <laughs> you know, but I think many organizations are afraid because they say, if we ask, we're going to discover the problems and then what? And I think that's okay. 
Like it's okay to just say, Hey, we have a problem and we're not sure how to fix it. And the fix isn't another yoga class or a, you know, or a, a, a weight room, you know, or, or a free lunch, right? Like that's just too simplistic. Like, but at least understanding the problem and showing that you care to actually know that there is a problem is probably the first step. Yeah. I remember uh, having a, a coworker of mine, you know, saying that I've borrowed from him, which I love problems don't get better with age, right? Like mm. this problem is there, right? The sooner you're able to put the spotlight on it, the better off it is because even if you don't have the solution for it, at least then you can get attention on it and more minds getting applied to it. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you're not the only one, you know, looking at the problem, trying to fix it, which I think is the worry of most executives are like, yeah, if we find this out, like, well, I don't know how to fix it. Well, let's just first make sure that the problem is there and how deeply it is felt. Cause I think most of the time you'll find that it's affecting more people than you think it is. And there'll be more people willing to help out if you just highlighted it. So. Well, and I think even asking the question, now you have a benchmark for all the other efforts you're doing. I mean, if you have that benchmark and then you do the yoga class, you'll realize it's not as effective as you think probably. Right. So, I mean, I think that's where it's good too, is then you have some benchmarks to evaluate your progress but, you know, going back to the health IT side of things, there are so many opportunities to automate the things that we're doing. And I know many in healthcare have been afraid of that word automation. And in many industries, they've been afraid of automation because that often means worker replacement. In healthcare, we haven't seen that to be the case. At least I haven't really seen it with very few exceptions automation usually just takes away the repetitive tasks that people hate. The, the, the stuff that's burning them out. So all of the automations that we can implement to actually make the, the stuff that people hate as their, in their job, those things are welcome and actually will help to contribute to, you know, helping people not feel burnt out. No, I, I, I'm totally with you there, John. I think, you know, I think the healthcare situation is a bit unique in the sense of we have a shortage we cannot find enough nurses. Now, again, it's not equally distributed, right? I'm pretty sure it's, you know, in some of the places, some of the urban centers, it's not as hard to find a nurse or find a clinician or and anything like that. But, you know, that's, and then the rural areas, it's a bit harder, but, but we're suffering from this already. So any automation means that, okay, like now, instead of asking my nurse to do a double or a one and a half shift, I can just give her or him or her a, a regular shift, right? And that would be a big improvement. Like if I do nothing else to say, okay, you don't have to actually work those three extra hours. You know, you can go home, you can, you can have dinner with your family. That is going to be an improvement. So I'm totally with you there that let's, let's look at automation a bit more seriously and get rid of the stuff that people don't want to be doing or that's repetitive where you don't need a human being right now. Um, and then let, let them focus on the 20 million other things that are going to be added to their plate when that space opens up, right? Yeah, there's plenty to work on in healthcare. There's no doubt about that. But I think the other challenge we face now is that COVID has kind of made burnout a universal problem. Like, I think if we did a survey of people, I guess there's maybe a few introverts that are like, hey, this is heaven. I don't know. I guess there might be a few out there, but I think most of us are suffering from burnout of some form or fashion, right? And my fear though, is that are we going to use that as a reason to not address like 
systemic burnout <laughs> that happens uh, in healthcare and to a lot of people. And, you know, I, I don't know, it's a tough situation because we're, we're all feeling the effects of COVID to one degree or another. Yeah, I actually think it, it might be the opposite, John. I think because we're all living through our own forms of burnout, whether that's Zoom burnout, whether that is, you know, home office burnout, work from home burnout, we're all experiencing big disruption to our lives. And we're all, for those of us that are in lockdown, the repetition of it, the day in and the day out of it. And so for me, I think there's more empathy for burnout, right? Whereas I think it was an other person problem before, mm. right? Like, because yeah. I don't work in a job where I felt burnt out, but, but now I feel it. Like, and I certainly don't want to compare my burnout to what the nurses are experiencing, the doctors are experiencing. It's not really a comparison, but I think I have a little bit more empathy now because now I can feel like, oh, wow, like this is not a great feeling. And I can only imagine what it's like when you have that much more pressure on you to in this kind of situation. So I'd like to think that, you know, with COVID, there's been more awareness and more empathy caused by the fact that we're all experiencing a form of these kinds of emotions, like this burnout emotion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, virtual third grade is my burnout. So I'm all for, uh, it's, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, it, the uh, empathy that we can have is very different, uh, because we've all been through something this year. And so I think that's an opportunity for us to, to show each other some empathy and to, you know, and sometimes that's all it takes for burnout, right, is just to show yeah, this sucks. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's not so much necessarily that you even have to do anything, and, you know, and, and there probably there are things you should do and especially healthcare organizations that they can do, but, you know, acknowledging the problem is, is a big impact for those that are suffering from burnout. I know it's true for me when I'm, you know, it's suffering from it and hearing someone else say it, it's like, oh, it, it relieves the burden at least some. Well, and I think that's that to me, that's one of the biggest benefits that may come out of this, right? Is certainly the tension on it has been great. But for me, it's the, uh, the lessening or the decreasing of the stigma. Like it wasn't that long ago that we were talking, when we would look at people funny if they were telling us that they had a mental health issue, right? Or that they had, they were, they were suffering from burnout. We'd look at them funny, go, suck it up, right? Like, or like, hey, what are you talking about? Like, life is great. And so people wouldn't bring it forward. There was an understanding. But I think now, like, we hear it and see it and our friends, uh, you know, who, who will now openly go, man, I'm not having a good day. Right? Yeah. And today was terrible. I need, I need to, I need to cut off at five today, guys. I'm sorry. And you know what? I think people understand that now, right? Well, yeah. I think, you know, especially managers, if you're hearing that from one of your employees now, I think there's a much higher degree of understanding than prior to COVID. Yeah. Right? Well, and I think there's stigma around if I'm burnout, I can't work. You know, whereas I'm burnt out, I just need some recognition. Maybe I need, you know, I, I need a moment to, to, you know, to find my bearings. Right. And, and there was certainly a lot of stigma around, Hey, you're, you're a doctor or you're a nurse, you're highly educated. You have a very well-paid job. Suck it up. Right. Like you're, right. You, you, you know, you're not, you're not homeless on the street and you know, there's certainly a balance, you know, that needs to be found there, but you're right. Uh, you know, now that we've all felt some of it, we can have a little more empathy regardless of the fact that, Hey, we are blessed, but we can still be burnt out. Absolutely. And John, we could probably go on for another hour talking about this topic. It is so important. And uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, to all of you who've tuned in to this episode of healthcare IT today. 
You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. Please share your voice and engage with the community on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM or at the website healthcareit.com. I'm Colin Hung, my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening.